good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. We're happy that you're here this morning. Uh, please stand as we worship together. Sunday is hope. So during the Advent season, we get to um, speak psalms together, a psalm of hope. So join me in reading Psalm 80. 
Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth like Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Show us your mighty power. Come to rescue us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. O Lord, God of heaven armies, how long will you be angry with our prayers? You have made us the scorn of our neighboring nations. Our enemies treat us as a joke. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. May you honor the people at your right hand. May you honor the nation you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us.
Frank. We worship God today as we take our offering. And our offering today is for New Life missionaries. You can give in the collection boxes on either side or electronically, as it says on the screen, as it may be saying on the screen behind me. Yeah, there it is. And um, we support four missionaries in this church, and they're spreading the gospel across the globe in Ethiopia, Middle East, Colombia, and Nigeria. But in this day and age, it's kind of done differently. The Ethiopian ministry is led by Eve Paul, who is our missionary, who lives in Abbotsford. The Middle East, well, Fred Victory is there serving. The Colombia ministry is led by Fernando Trevino, who is a Colombian and lives there, but regards New Life as his home church. In Nigeria, we have the Barnhorns, except they're in Ontario and working remotely. So when we say our missions are all over the world, we really do mean that. And we also seek to build partnerships with other organizations, such as Joshua House, Esperanza, and a few others that also spread the love and mercy of God in different communities. And we sell coffee after church, which will help support those. And you can purchase it in the foyer. It will make a great stocking stuffer. Or maybe some of, you can buy it for other reasons to give away to people. It's good. It's a, or just use it yourself. It's good coffee. But anyway, let's pray for our missionaries as we take the, and then we'll take the offering. Lord, we are aware that you work right across this world in so many different places. And we thank you that we have connections in Ethiopia, in the Middle East, in Colombia, and in Nigeria, as well as through our partners on the West Coast, here in Abbotsford, and around the different places as well. Lord, we just pray a blessing on each person who will be receiving money from this offering. And also, Lord, we pray for us as we give, that it might be given from grateful hearts in worship. Thank you, for, Lord, for all you do for us. Amen. As we take the offering, I'm off. Okay. As we take the offering this morning, um, I'd just like to sing over a song called Communion to You which um, pairs nicely with what Nathan is speaking on this morning. Take me back to the garden Take me back to the moment I heard your voice Take me back to communion Take me back to the moment I
Good morning again. My name is Janet and I'm your host this morning. I want to welcome especially guests, people who've been here maybe the first time or one of the first times. And there is a connect card in the seat in front of you that you can complete and pop it into the um, uh, offering booth, info booth or the collection boxes at the front. And then we can connect with you better. And we really welcome you. We're so glad you're here with us. 
There's another group of people I think deserve special recognition today. The women are away on a women's retreat. So there are men at home on their own with their kids. I, if you are one of those men who had to make breakfast for your kids, get them dressed, bring them here on time while trying to watch a soccer match. <laughs> Congratulations. And we're really glad you're here with us. Oh, and the people online, I forgot to say that you can also connect with the host and if you're new and they will take you through the connect card process. Okay, so what's happening here in the next few weeks? We have a New Life Live meeting on December the 7th at the church. And this is our biannual congregational meeting at which we review the ministry and approve the uh, past fiscal year's finances. This event will be live here in the auditorium and also live streamed. You know, some people, when they hear we're going to review past fiscal things, think it's not very live, but come along and make it live. All the information in the financial statements are in one nice, tidy package, which you can view in the Encourager or pick up a hard copy in the information booth. And the Encourager is the email newsletter that goes out every Friday, and it's full of information about our church and other related things. And so if you're not getting one and you would like one, let the office know and they'll connect you with that. So we're going to take communion later in the service. When you walked into the auditorium, there were baskets with communion cups in them. If you wish to take communion this morning and you missed getting one, please do so during the fellowship time. If you're joining us online, you now have the opportunity to gather the bread and juice so that you will be able to take part with us here in the auditorium. Christmas gift bags. The New Life Gems needs your help to put together some Christmas gift bags for the Stream Ministry. The Stream is a local ministry that focuses on serving those who live on the margins of our community, serving food and gathering in a Christian community and giving them access to discipleship and counseling. So that our GEMS girls will be assembling bags at their Christmas party on December 6th. They need you to contribute small items for these gift bags by next Sunday, December the 4th. So the list of suggested items is on the website or it's also in the encourager. See, you need to get one. And if you would like to participate, they need things like gloves and socks and toothbrushes and chapstick or gum. So, a whole bunch of different things. And you can bring them next week. Uh, I don't think there's too much more by way of announcements. No, we're ready for our dismissal time. So, every Sunday we have a, a fellowship time, and it serves two purposes. You can meet someone new and extend the peace, to them the peace of Christ, and kids can be taken down to their programs. As I was looking through the announcements, I saw it said, you can meet someone new. Maybe that's the challenge today. It might not be somebody totally new to you, but maybe somebody 
who you don't usually go to during fellowship time. Let's mix it up a bit. Um, and parents, you can bring your three to five-year-olds. Your children can go downstairs if they're three to five or grades one to five. They all go out that door and make sure that they're signed in for kids' church. So our three minutes is going to begin, so use it and enjoy. song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh we live for you, Jesus name above every Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you. Wonderful. All right. Well, 
good to be together. Let's, uh, let's come together uh, before God in prayer. Uh, lots of things to pray for. Lots of uh, sickness going on, colds and flu and so on. And then, of course, uh, we're particularly concerned about avian flu among uh, those involved in poultry business, as well as um, uh, others who are struggling with uh, decisions in their life, those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. So let's commit all of that to prayer as we come to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that we can come to you, that uh, we can gather before you, hear your word. Thank you that you speak to us, that you reveal yourself to us, and may it be so this morning as we gather here. Father, uh, our lives are filled with all kinds of concerns, and we want to commit them to you in prayer as well. We pray for those who are struggling with illness. God, we pray for healing, for strength, for blessing in our lives. We pray especially for Joyce Venema. We pray for uh, little Jackson Audette. We pray that you will give them health and strength others who are struggling with illness. Father, we pray too, especially for all those involved in poultry business and affected by uh, avian flu. God, we pray for protection on all of the flocks. We pray for uh, strength and peace for uh, those involved in it. God, uh, we pray, we look to you for all things. Pray too for those, God, uh, who face difficult times, especially in this time of year, a year uh, which we claim to be filled with cheer, and yet, God, uh, in our lives often um, there is uh, so much darkness, difficulty, and um, struggle. And so we pray, Father, that uh, you will bless us with your spirit, that you will encourage each of us that we may show compassion and kindness to one another and uh, reveal your grace in our lives. God, as we come to your word, we pray that you will speak to us, that you will instruct us, that you will guide us so that in everything that we do and everything that we are, we may bring honor and glory to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, well, welcome again to New Life, and uh, particularly welcome to the Advent season. So we've uh, decorated and so on. We've got the Advent candles and just the spirit of uh, Christmas here. Advent is a time of waiting. Indeed, uh, quite literally, we're waiting for Christmas, and I'm sure that you have plans and all things, uh, all kinds of things to do to get ready for Christmas. That's part of the waiting. But in a more profound way, we are also waiting, waiting, waiting for God to visit us, waiting for God to be in our lives, waiting on God to visit us in our pain and in our struggle, in our misery, waiting for a Savior to deliver us 
from the sin and brokenness of our lives, waiting for the Lamb of God to forgive us and steer us away from sin, waiting for Jesus to come again to bring peace into our lives. Advent is that time of waiting, but we don't wait all that well, particularly in our culture. This is a busy culture. And we invest a lot in what we can accomplish. We invest a lot in what we can do. And so waiting seems rather out of place. And yet, that's who we are. We are a waiting people. We want to be able to see that also in Scripture. And so we go to the very beginning as we enter into this message series this Christmas season on promises, particularly the promises of God. What does it mean for us to wait on the promises of God? Well, our first picture begins right at the beginning in uh, Genesis. After God has created the world and he has created human beings and he has placed them in uh, a creation that is perfectly uh, created for them, and, uh, and then we get uh, the fall into sin. So Genesis chapter 3 is uh, where we're looking at uh, this morning. And this is how it all begins then, as uh, we want this sin thing to be taken care of, waiting on God to take care of uh, the brokenness in our lives. This is how it all began. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say... You must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. She adds that. I don't know why. In chapter 2, God said, doesn't say that, but she claims that God said to her not only uh, that they couldn't eat of the fruit of the tree, but that They couldn't even touch the tree, or you will die. Ah, you will not certainly die, the serpent says to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The man answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Well, so in the beginning, when Adam and Eve fell for the serpent's lie, and it was a lie, the problem is it was a lie tainted with a little bit of truth. I mean, there were things that the serpent repeats which God had said, but it was a lie nevertheless. And when Adam and Eve fell for that lie, they only wished that God would just kind of forget about them altogether. Just kind of 
presume that, ah, nothing happened, but I'll just leave them to their own misery. They hid. They hid because they ate the fruit that God had forbidden, and instead of the serpent's promise to become more like God, they ended up simply in shame. And shame can only condemn. And condemnation is the very opposite of hope. In order to be a people who wait, you need hope. But in their condemnation, Adam and Eve busily cover themselves. They're just trying to hide their shame. They're just trying to cover up what, did, what they did. They're just trying to hide from God. They're just hoping God will just overlook the whole thing. And instead of waiting for God, they desperately try to clear themselves from the guilt, the sin that's in their life. See, the thing is, this isn't just a historical document that tells us how things went. This also is reflective of how we deal with sin. We get so busy in our lives trying to cover up the shame and the condemnation we feel, the guilt that hides within us. We're busy, busy trying to drown out the misery of our lives, busy trying to drown out the disappointments and the despair, trying to forget. We might even, ever so kindly, of course, simply ignore God, hoping that he just kind of doesn't really pay attention to us in the midst of our brokenness and disobedience. Or maybe we don't even realize that in our busyness, we've ignored God. That in our efforts to cover up our shortcomings, we've neglected God or we've simply stopped waiting on God. And so also in the season of Christmas, a season that's notorious for being absolutely busy. We forget to wait on God. The Germans have an interesting term for it. It's called Advent Tuffel or Advent Devil. Mola Powers says, explains it this way. It's the Advent Devil who comes to try to keep people so busy in outward affairs that they lose sight of the real meaning of Christmas. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want people to have time to experience the rebirth of Christ within themselves. There is so much rushing around during the holiday season. It's become the busiest time of the year. We want to read the Christmas stories. We want to have time to anticipate and feel the awe and the wonder of the Christmas miracle. But we're so busy... We just don't have time. And so Christmas passes and nothing has happened to us on the inside. That's what happens. That's what happens when we forget to wait on God. We get so busy with all kinds of even important things, but nothing changes within us. Wouldn't you like Christmas to be different for you this year? Learn to wait on God. 
Because that's the, the first thing, the first gracious thing that happens in this story is that God doesn't forget us. God doesn't just ignore what has happened. God doesn't just bypass it or overlook it. He calls out. This is the most beautiful part of this passage, I think. He calls out and says, where are you? God comes looking for us. He doesn't just wipe out the human race. He doesn't just uh, ignore it. He calls out, where are you? God doesn't forget us. And that ought to create in us an inkling of hope to be able to wait on God. After the Vietnam War, Bob Considine accompanied an infant Vietnamese orphan to the U.S. so that she could be adopted. And on the long flight from, the, uh, from Vietnam to the U.S., the baby's eyes overflowed with tears, but this little girl made absolutely no sound. Considine was rather confused about this, and so he consulted with the uh, flight attendant on board. She had seen war orphans before, and she explained to Considine that this was rather normal. She said it this way. She said, the reason they don't make any noise when they cry is because they learned a long time ago that nobody will come. See, even babies learn to behave with the expectation that they are forgotten. The beauty of this story here in Genesis 3 is that with the threat of shame and condemnation, God reminds us we are not forgotten. And so we can wait. We can wait on God. We can wait on God's promises because he is faithful. To wait, you need hope. And hope comes from a promise. And so God comes to Adam and Eve and he comes to them with a promise. Listen to this. Here's God's response. He realizes that they have eaten from the tree that he had forbidden. They've disobeyed God. They've ignored his command. They've rejected God in essence. And this is God's response. He says to Adam and Eve, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man says, uh, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I, I, I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now listen. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly, you'll eat dust in all the days of your life. And then this. And I will put enmity, separation, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, that is, the offspring of the woman, human being, promise of a Messiah, 
He will crush your head. You will strike his heel. The response that God has to the rebellion that he experiences through his own creatures, the response that God has is to extend a promise to his people. God does not come to condemn, but he comes to save. First he draws out a confession from them. Adam and Eve try to escape the confession by, you know, Passing on the blame, oh, I couldn't help it. It's just, I don't know what happened. You know, just, we just ate it. And then God extends this beautiful gift of a promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman, he says, and between your offspring and hers. He'll crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's a gospel promise. The entire revelation of the Bible, the entire revelation of God, the whole purpose of what God is up to is summarized right here in this initial promise at the beginning of the Bible. A gospel promise of a long wait for God's redemption. It's the first revelation of God's amazing grace. He's going to side after all. He's going to side with his creatures. Even though they rebelled against him, he'll never let evil join with the human race so that they become a natural pair. There will always be that separation. There will always be good apart from evil. They will never join together, so that's just the way it is. It will never be that way. The two will never fit. Even though Satan has worked himself into the hearts of God's creatures, he'll never assume a home there. And that's when Adam and Eve learn to wait. When they hear that promise. When they've received the promise of life. Hope instead of a curse. And so, again, even in our own sin, God still comes to us. He comes to us to save us. He comes with the very same promise to you and me. We are a people then who wait. In this, in this Christmas season, it's not just the excitement of celebrations or of nostalgia as good as those things can be, we are a people who wait on the promises of God. That, that's the essence of this Christmas season. A people waiting on a promise that God will always, always rule over this earth, over his creation. God will establish his rule. And so we wait in hope. Not, not just a kind of superficial hope. Oh, I hope so. No, because then, then we would ignore the hardship of life. Yes, there will still be hardship in life. It's not going to be easy. Waiting itself is not easy. We get impatient. We begin to look to despair. 
but we wait. We wait on God. Hardship will characterize our life, as Genesis says, in childbearing, in our relationships, in our livelihood. There will be trouble. But there's also the hope that God will fulfill his promise. It's sure and it's certain. And so we wait. That ought to characterize our lives. Our lives are defined not simply by what we can do. Our lives are shaped and defined by whether we are able to wait on God and His promises. And so the first part of God's gracious promise is that He will not forget us. The second part of God's gracious promise is that He will not let Satan rule over us. And the third part of God's gracious promise then is that He will not let us live in sin and misery forever. That also happens here in this story. In Genesis 3, uh, beginning at verse uh, 22, verse 22 and 23. And the Lord God said, so here's, here's the result of everything that happens. Adam and Eve fall from sin, and uh, God finds out. God calls out, where are you? He extends the promise to them, and then what happens? The Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. You know, I always thought, oh, that's disappointing. Too bad we can't live forever. But can you imagine living forever in paradise in the midst of sin and misery? So more than just a punishment, God casts Adam and Eve out of the garden in order to prevent eternal misery. This is God's grace. This is part of God's promise, of his gracious promise to redeem his people. He casts them out of the garden. Someone once said, hope is believing in spite of the evidence And then watching the evidence slowly change. That's the kind of waiting that Adam and Eve learned. A waiting invested with hope because God has acted. Not because we could accomplish something, not because we could accomplish saving ourselves, but because God has acted. Not only has he given his promise, but he carries us through He rescues us. It's his hand. Even though sometimes it looks harsh, but it's his hand that casts us out of the way of harm into his protection. Margaret Fishback was a young girl, had suffered a lot in her uh, short life, had some enormous heartbreak. She had met a, a, a fella that she dearly loved, and he left her. And that cast her into a time of depression. She had fallen ill with a serious case of meningitis, which just added to her misery. 
and that kept her bedridden for months. Margaret felt she had reached one of the lowest points of her life. No hope. She was nearly done waiting for anything. Then, Then she met another man, Paul Powers, a relationship developed with Paul that helped Margaret almost forget the hurt that she carried for so long. Eventually, Paul asked Margaret to marry him, and she couldn't. She just hadn't learned to trust again. She was still filled with pain that wouldn't go away. So then Margaret prayed to God, poured everything out before God, learned to wait on God. She sat down, and she wrote all of the misery of her life, she wrote it all down in her diary, all of the confusion, all of the hurt, all of, all of the misery spilled out. And then she gathered it all up into a poem. You probably know the poem. It's called Footprints in the Sand. It's a poem that taught Margaret and many others who treasure that poem to wait on God again. The poem describes how God had walked alongside of Margaret through much of her life. And in that part, she saw two footprints, two sets of footprints in the sand. But that at a critical time, there was only one set of footprints in the sand. Had God actually left her to herself? Had God abandoned her? Had God forgotten her? And God replies, that is not your set lone footprints, but those are mine when I carried you. See, a lot of times we give up on waiting on God because we don't see his ways. We don't understand his ways. But God has given us his promise. And waiting only makes sense when you know there is a promise. A promise to carry. Carry you in the midst of your struggles and misery. A promise to remember you and never forget. A promise to save you and rescue you from the misery and the sin and the brokenness of your life. That promise of God to bring true life into the world happens when we celebrate Christmas. When God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him would have everlasting life again. God is faithful. He has shown his faithfulness. Remember that faithfulness as you learn to wait on God. And in this Christmas and Advent season, May that waiting transform your hearts into an excitement and an enthusiasm to celebrate that God 
has saved you. Let's pray together. God, we confess that we know your promises, and yet it's so hard to hold on to your promises. Show us your grace again, Father. In this season of waiting, reveal to us your gentle hand upon us. Show us that you have not forgotten us. And in the midst of our lives, Father, help us to wait on you. You are our hope. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love, your compassion, your kindness, and your mercy. And so, God, as we are reminded of your promises, help us to celebrate your goodness and your faithfulness. Help us to rejoice in you. Help us to praise you and exalt you, for you are great. You are our Savior, the master of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in response to hearing God's word, assuring us of his promise, we get to celebrate. And so we gather around the Lord's table this morning in communion. Here, Jesus gives us a tangible sign. Taste and see that the Lord is good, Scripture says. A tangible sign of God's promise to sustain us with the living bread and the cup of salvation. So we come to the table. We come to the table of our Lord, but we come not just as mere individuals. We come together as a community of Christ, a community that is there for one another so that we can remind each other of the promises of God. We're going to be doing communion a little bit differently this morning. So if you didn't get a communion cup, there's going to be servers who will uh, run through the aisles. They can uh, extend a, a cup to you. Um, and then uh, we're going to be taking communion together. Um, we've uh, we've uh, purchased these uh, packages of uh, communion wafer and juice. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult for us to be able to... Uh, pull the, the wafer out. So uh, we're just going to wait uh, and, uh, and relax. So if you see someone having trouble, uh, show compassion and uh, just slide over, help someone out, and um, we're going to celebrate communion this way together. And so as we come to the table of our Lord, let's Lift up our hearts in thankfulness to God. Pray to him. Join me in prayer. Gracious God, as we gather before this table of our Lord, we gather with a sense of excitement and joy because we acknowledge what you've done for us, God. You created heaven and earth. 
You created us as human beings. You created us in your own image. And then even when we rebelled, even when we pulled away from you, you graciously extended your hand and called out to us, looked for us, remembered us, and and drew us back to yourself. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus into our world to save us. Thank you for his sacrifice for our salvation. And so we wait, God. We wait on your promise to come again, to come and restore us, and to restore all things to yourself. We wait. We join our voices with saints who have gone before us and with all of the angels and all of creation, shouting your glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. And so God graciously has given us this gift of a memorial. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At that same last supper, at the end, he took a cup, and he said, this cup is my blood in a new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As long as we eat this bread and drink this cup, as many times as we do it, we proclaim the promise of God that through Christ's death and resurrection, we are saved from our sin. And so now I ask you to take that package. The top layer is a light film. You can just pull that back to retrieve the wafer. And as we spend time doing that, reflect on the fact and believe that the body of Christ is the bread of life. Somebody want to bring me a cup? I was going to take from the bread, but I didn't think that was fair. You'll all get jealous. Take it. Eat it. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sin. And then as you pull the tab to get at the juice, 
Believe that the blood of Christ is the cup of salvation poured out for you because God remembers you and loves you. Take, drink, remember and believe that the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the forgiveness of all your sins to bring you into his salvation. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his mercies. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. We're going to respond as we spend some time in worship with a couple of songs to celebrate God's goodness, to give praise to him, to give thanks for God's salvation. So let's sing together. Stand as we sing.
Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you now and always. Spend a moment just waiting. Waiting on God's presence. Waiting on God's promises. sing one more song and then afterwards I'm going to invite our pastors uh, to come to the front here and um, if you require uh, just a time of waiting and a time of prayer just to prepare yourself for this Advent season I invite you to come to the front and just pray with uh, one of the pastors we'll be here waiting Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, and all it affords is divine.
go in peace.